Welcome to that 80s show. Dory, how are you today? Paolo, I'm feeling very chilled today. Very like, chilled? Just chilled. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> very interesting that opening up that 80s show, we got uh, 80s theme song, Bingo. Is it Bingo? Sometimes the world looks mm. perfect, nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. What 80s sitcom are those lyrics from? I didn't even have to Google it and cheat. Oh, you got it. Unless I'm wrong, of course. <laughs> it's a perfect strangers, right? Oh, now we are so happy we do the dance of joy. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Dory. That's great. That's great. That's because knowledge. I did like watch that on YouTube recently. Constantly. Because, of- you know. Of course, Perfect Strangers, Cousin. And as well as there's a montage of all the dances of joy, which is fantastic. Did you see the the MC Hammer dance when they do Can't Touch This? No. Oh, you got to find that. Of course, Perfect Strangers, Cousin, Larry Appleton, and Belki Bartokomus, mm. Borat before Borat. Is that mm. right to say? Borat before Borat. The, the, the very clean version of Borat. The very. Let's be, let's be clear. Very, very yeah. clean. What's his name? Bronson Pinchot. Pinochet. Bronson Pinochet. Something like that. Pinochet, I think. Something like that. No, that, that. no that was the, he was the dictator. Oh, Pinchot? Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we know Balki Bartokomus. He was only ever in um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop playing Balki Bartokomus. <laughs> you get typecast. <laughs> So this is that 80s show, the number one place on the South African internet, and we're hoping the worldwide internet for 80s entertainment. If you are listening to this live, welcome. The live show gives you 80s music for your ear holes, but maybe you're going to hear something in the show. You're going to hear something you want to share with your friends. You want to hear something that you want to listen to later. You want to hear something go, oh, who do I write the complaints to? That was a terrible pun you guys made. Um, did I hear it right? You can find the podcasts on cliffcentral.com. Uh, just go in and search that 80 show. Uh, they're all there. I'm so happy that we're up there on Cliff Central with all our little podcasts. And of course, anything you hear today is on Facebook this week. <laughs> I think let's let let's let's talk about this, Paolo, because I'm still like recovering from the trauma. <laughs> so that 80 show essay, our Facebook page, a lot of people love it. It grows very nicely. We put a lot of nonsense 80 star a lot nonsense. Of people, in. but not Zach. Yes. Not Zach and his people. Not Zach and his people. Zach, Zach and his army. Not such big fans of that 80 show. <laughs> While they were busy shredding documents. <laughs> <laughs> they they must have disconnected the cable that goes to that 80 show <laughs> and we were off for a week they said we posted content that violates the law the the law not even their terms of service the whole the law law uh maybe now crimes against puns I mean, puns against humanity maybe that was the law and we're going surely we're like, what did we do? We didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, our stuff is so great, it's criminal, perhaps. Oh, good one. Good one, Dory. Huh. That's you know? a good one. You anyway, know? it seemed to be a snafu because there were a lot of people like getting their stuff taken down and it got fixed with a personal apology from Zach. I mean, it was nice of him to send us that voice note. Um, mm. We thank him for that, for taking down that Eddie show, but that Eddie show essay on Facebook. Dory. For now. 
For now. For now. If next time we get taken down, we're going to make damn sure that we know why we're taken down. Um, we, will, we, will, we will post pictures of someone's ass cheeks and you'll have to guess who. Someone from, from one of the 80s band's ass cheeks. Yes. And then we'll be like, okay, now we understand. Not Samantha Fox nor David Lee Roth. Somebody you don't want to see obscene content. Now, Dory, mm. sometimes you yes. see a headline. Firstly, sometimes you see an 80s story or a story involving an 80s person that you go, my God, that's a great story. Then you read the headline, mm. you go, oh my God, I wish I wrote that headline. So John Bon Jovi is releasing his own wine. He's actually released it already. The story is a couple of weeks old. John Bon Jovi has mm. released his own wine. The headline says, lay you down in a bed of rosés. <laughs> John Bon Jovi is releasing his own wine. <laughs> it's oh, John Bon Jovi's man. life. You know, you know how happy that person was who came up with that line? Oh they my, were so happy. I think they retired. They retired into a vineyard, John Bon Jovi's vineyard, uh, because they're like, this is the peak of my career. Yeah, so John Bon Jovi has uh, made a wine with his son, his son Jesse Bon Jovi. If you don't know, that's John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. That's, that's his real Italian boy of New Jersey. Um, they have a home in the Hamptons. Must be nice. And he enjoys rosé, which he calls pink juice. But of Oh, course, that sounds so dodge. <laughs> that sounds like Jesus juice. Michael Jackson is, yes, it's yes. It's dodge. Uh, but John Bon Jovi's <laughs> son, Jesse, and a pal redubbed it Hampton Water, uh, which is way better than pink juice, which we think also works. So uh, this is his wine, $25 a bottle. So it is not rubbish. Um, that is good stuff. I like rosé a lot. Like if I'm going to drink a wine, I generally go for a rosé. So this is now something to add to the bucket list. You approve of to it. To drink some of this rosé. Yeah, you approve of it. I wonder if we can get it here in South Africa, if it's available in your country. Have a look out for it. Mm. With an, an acclaimed French winemaker. I mean, this is legit stuff. You're not getting a headache from this. You know, this is mm. top quality John Bon Jovi. And of course... Um, it is neither proved nor disproved that it makes you sing Living on a Prayer better after a bottle. Maybe we should put that to the test. Mm. Get a bottle and try sing John Bon Jovi at karaoke. Bed of rosés. <laughs> so <laughs> we've got Amazing. the chart savants coming up later in the show. Uh, but one of the things everyone loves on that 80 show um, and the 80 shows podcast now on cliffcentral.com are our movie recommendations where we tell you of an 80s movie that you either love or an 80s movie you should avoid. Funny thing last week on another Facebook page, because I was looking at other 80s Facebook pages and go, wow, aren't they getting kicked off? <laughs> and, and somebody was pointing out about Dirty Dancing that Baby and um, Patrick Swayze's character, the age difference is quite gross, Right. And people were justifying, say, well, no, she was 18 and blah, 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 blah. And never really crossed my mind. Well, you know, it's snowflake behavior. So I made a comment on it, which got a lot of traction of saying, you can't look at an 80s movie with today's eyes, right? You have Mm. to take it for what it is. It is a Mm. time capsule to take you to that time. No one's saying it's perfect, but you go back to the time that you felt a certain way. If you're going to mm. try to judge it by today's standards, and listen, there was a lot of weird stuff, but it was a time capsule. Don't even press mm-hmm. play. Don't go to an 80s movie and go, oh, oh, how dare, how dare they? Because it is a time capsule. It's not there for that sort of judgment. And that's what we say about these things. Don't watch them with today's eyes. 
because I mean, my eighties eyes compared to my now eyes are no good. <laughs> you, you literally cannot. <laughs> literally cannot do it. <laughs> Tyler, it's so funny that you've just said that because the TV series that I'm going to talk about today can very much not be judged with today eyes. Mm. It would never exist today. It is beyond politically incorrect. But in its time, boy, did I love this show. (laughs) Interesting. A part of me has a horrible inkling that you might have done the show on the show show before, but I don't know, I might be wrong. Well, you know what? It's actually okay. Are you I mean, ready? there's so many 80s okay things. Because we, we yes. have new, new, new people listening All to us time. as well. So, you know, All they would have missed time. it. And judging by the pretty much demographic of our show, their memories are as bad as ours. So they wouldn't even <laughs> <Exactly>. remember. <laughs> <laughs> so my TV show this week has something in common with our favorite band in that the title has an exclamation mark at the end. Mm. Mm, there's a clue. Mm. It is a satire. It ran for two seasons from 1986 to 1988. I think I know. And we- it was created by Alan Spencer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what inspired him because it's actually really interesting. I was reading up about it. I, I knew nothing, by the way. Oh, also, most of the episodes are on YouTube. It has dated. I tried to watch one. I laughed, but probably not as much as I laughed in the 80s. And it was a bit, I was like, oh, I don't know how much more time I can spend watching this episode. So I did not get through it. But I freaking loved this show in my youth. And I think that you definitely would have. Um, I just want to tell you about the, the creation of it. I just want to find it here. Because it's quite funny that... It was inspired by Clint Eastwood's no-nonsense approach to law enforcement in the Dirty Harry films. Um, At the time, teenager Alan Spencer dreamed up the idea of a police officer whose approach was even more over the top to the point of absurdity. And he wrote the screenplay at the age of 16 for this TV show, basically. Okay. Okay. Any ideas yet? Probably that's not really a help. That's not really a clue. I'm just going to tell you. I thought I did. No, okay. Sh- well, I mean, if you want to take a guess, feel free. Mm, I can't remember if it had an exclamation mark. Are you talking about soap? No, no, I'm not talking about soap. So this is a satire of a cop show. Yes, that's what cop show okay. satire. Yeah. And the ca- the main character is beyond over the top. But what's what 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 I did laugh at in the episode that I did watch on YouTube was the the satirization of the you know the police chief, the shouty black guy. He's <laughs> always like I mean it's always like the police captain or whatever you want to call him, the guy in charge. He's always shouting at the cop who doesn't follow the rules, and that that's exactly what happens on this show. This was a TV series called Sledgehammer. Oh. God, <laughs> I haven't thought that in years. I've got to be honest, I can't say I watched it. I can't say really? I watched it. I can't say I it's watched so it. It's so your kind of humor, though. It really is your kind of humor. I do recommend uh, delving into the YouTube and watching some episodes if you can then. Because, I mean, apart from the dating, it's just put your put your 80s brain in, you know? And, like, especially put your young 
teenage 80s brain. Jeez, you were even younger than that. But this show is beyond over the top, but I used to look forward to it every week. I'm going to read the, the basic description on Wikipedia. I'm looking at it. I did I'm going to give you some it. factoids. Of course. <laughs> because there are some amazing factoids around this show. So Inspector Sledgehammer, played by David Rash, I think that's how you say his name, is a stubborn, narrow-minded, opinionated, sexist, and reactionary, all of this by his own admission, detective from the San Francisco Police Department. According to many of his fellow detectives, he makes Dirty Harry look like Mr. Peepers. Hammer's most prized possession is his 44 Magnum Smith & Wesson Model 629 revolver, a stainless steel version of the Smith & Wesson Model 29 with a customized grip featuring an engraving of a sledgehammer. Hammer sleeps and showers with his gun. It even has its own satin pillow, and he talks to it, referring to it as her. He <laughs> does have a very intimate and unnatural relationship with his gun. That is the one of the main features of the show. Yes. But now the reason this show would never exist today is because he is this kind of crazy, out-of-control white cop who does not follow the rules. <laughs> Don't yes. think you can make that as a comedy these no, days. No, no, no. People don't <laughs> like the cops no more. <laughs> no, especially the white ones who don't follow the rules. Yes. So, yeah, so this show would not exist now, but it has some funny moments. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Well, it's very ridiculous. But it's quite funny because there was this mention of like various things that happened over the course of the series, just some of the stupid things that they did. For example, in the pilot episode, he deals with a sniper on a skyscraper roof by blowing up the entire building after which he utters, I think I got him to onlooking cops. <laughs> <laughs> it's really your kind of humor. I have to tell you, I can't believe you never watched it. No, it, it, the it other cool I don't <laughs> remember watching it. I, I like it. Once I've seen the images and that is like, okay, I do know the show, but I don't think I have, yeah. um, I don't remember watching it. I don't, nothing springs to mind. It's not springing to mind. Well, no. I do recommend, like I say, dipping in, checking it out. Um, so, yeah, the, the the captain that I was talking about, Captain Trunk, supervises Hammer and his partner, whose name is actually Dory, my name. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he is chronically uptight, pepto-bismol guzzling, apoplectic, apoplectic parody of police precinct captains from popular 1970s and 1980s TV cop shows. Trunk spends most of his time yelling at Hammer for his incompetence and complaining about his migraine headaches or hypertension brought on by Hammer's antics. <laughs> now, <laughs> I mean, it's just typical. There were some guest appearances by a bunch of supposedly famous people over the years. I mean, not all of them are going to be, are going to just like jump out at you. But for example, do you remember Dan Lauria? You no. might remember Dan Lauria as the dad from the Wonder Years. Okay, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he made an appearance on an episode. Um, Norman Fell. I do know you know who Norman yes, Fell is. Yes, From from Three's Company. Yes. He made an appearance on an episode. And more interestingly, Adam Ant appeared on an episode of Sledgehammer. I'm scrolling through that. I do see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, very, very bizarre. Now... Originally, the studio wanted Rodney Dangerfield to play the the lead the lead character, and the creator Aaron, um, what Alan Spencer, just absolutely refused. He was like, "No, that is not going to happen." And I think I have to say, I don't think that would have worked. David Rash is actually so perfect for this character. I have seen him in a few things since, but mm. in my mind, he's like he's always this character. Yeah, it's just totally him. 
one of the funniest factoids I found about this, about the show was it was released obviously um, around the world and, you know, they, they dubbed it and they mm. did all sorts of things. In France, the series was called Mr. Gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very, very, very literal. Very, very literal. Um, in, uh, in Russia, or oh, no, I can't actually pronounce what it was called in, in Russia, sorry. Um, the Mexican dubbing for Latin America kept the series name unchanged, though some episodes had to be renamed to match the Latin American versions for the movie titles. Hammer also called his gun compadre in spite of the fact that he considered it to be female and bears an absolute loathing for telenovelas. <laughs> oh, the gun hates telenovelas. No, I think he hates he telenovelas. Hates I think that's the, that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. You know, I love so, the yeah, mental gymnastics. I mean, it's just, it's just silly. It's silliness and it's, I mean, I watched the episode last night. My daughter just thought it was the worst thing she'd ever seen in her life. She was like, this is really terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it has dated is what I'm trying to say. But, ah, you know, it was kind of nostalgic. And like I say, just for the fact that, oh, my goodness, this this is very in the past. This yes. would never happen today. It's kind of interesting to watch. And that's fine. And that's that's fine. But, of course, mm. no, we can't be indiscriminate violent cops. Nobody nobody wants to see no. that, that these days. Um, no. Good recommendation, Dory. Sledgehammer, I wish I remembered it more. I, I know I'm aware of it, but I can't. Actually, yes. say I watched it, but maybe I'll like go find a couple on YouTube and and if you if you watch, you can even watch just like the opening theme song. And his catchphrase was "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." And at the very end of the theme song, he's holding the guy and he goes, "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." And then he shoots the camera. Ah, uh, and it's a bullet hole in the camera screen. I see. I'll probably remember that. Yeah. I'll probably remember it. Yeah, it'll. It came right back to me. I have to tell you so. But I did used to enjoy watching it in my youth. In your youth, Dory. It is October. So like every retailer, it's Halloween month. And I think for the rest of this month, I'm going to do scary movies. I'm going to do horrors. What do you think about that? Ah, mm. I like that idea. I mm. do. Mm. So mm. I'm going to start off with a biggie. I'm going to start with an absolutely monster one. I'm going to play you a clip from it. Take a listen and let me know if you think you know where it is from. First I played with Dad, then Mommy came, and I played with Mommy. We played, Daddy. We had an awful good time. Now I want to play with you. Do you, you recognize that from your nightmares? I don't, but... Remember that I'm only recently getting into horror. Right. I mean, I did kind of do some horror when I was younger, but I things like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that, I really just uh, freaked me out completely. Was that Child's Play by any chance? Or it same, sounds like same, a weird demonic doll talking. Same ballpark. <laughs> same ballpark. It was Actually, my wife said to me, this same. is her most hated movie of all time. She has spoken about this movie. She talks about this movie constantly. It traumatized her so much, and I'll tell you why. It also it's a talking doll, isn't it? Well, it is a talking... So... <laughs> okay. Uh, it is also a movie that if you're a fan of correct spelling, you're going to hate the title because the title is spelt wrong. If you're a fan okay. of the Ramones, you're going to know the song of the same name. The Ramones actually wrote the th a theme song, the Ramones, for it. Okay. The director of this movie, she directed uh, music videos 
for Janet Jackson, Madonna, and Sting. Okay. The movie. I, I'm, I'm clueless. The movie is Pet Cemetery. <gasps> I have watched that. Yeah, everyone's watched I've that. Actually, watched that movie, not the remake. The no, original. No, no. Don't do the remake. This is Pet Cemetery, the original. This is the story. It's a little bit disturbing. As, as, a, as a parent, you don't like getting into this. And I actually found an article from the director, Mary Lambert, actually says this in this interview. So we watched this, pulled the movie up, watched it. My wife couldn't do it. She, she can't stand it. She got traumatized. It is, her, it is horrific. It's horrific. horrific. So the story goes, family <laughs> moves into a town. There is a pet cemetery spelt S-E-M-A-T-A-R-Y. Uh, I mm-hmm. found an article from Slate of people uh, crediting this movie with the fact that they can never spell symmetry because... But was the there a reason behind that misspelling? It was just a fact that um, kids made the cemetery for the pets. So in this town, all the dead pets, uh, they buried it there, and it was a kid's spelling of cemetery. That was purely the reason. Got it. Okay. Got it. Um, so based on the Stephen King novel, and um, in this in this movie, you there's a pet cemetery, and uh, you kids go and bury their pets there. But it's further into the cemetery; it's on ancient burial ground, cursed burial ground. And if you bury something there, it comes back to life. <clears throat> so the mm-hmm. family in the movie, the cat dies, gets uh, knocked over by a car, and they go. The father goes and buries the cat, and the next day the cat comes back. But the cat's like messed up; it's like mangy, and eyes are glowing, and it's. Mm-hmm angry like it's demonic basically yeah like most cats when you don't feed them so uh, you know it's (laughs) computes just most cats will stop most cats most cats when they can see i love cats a lot of cats are like that like when when a cat can see the bottom of their bowl they get very pet cemetery ish then Mm -hmm. tragedy befalls the young son in the family also dies and the Mm -hmm. distraught family oh my god there's a terrible scene terrible nightmare scene where there's a fight at the funeral and the kid's coffin gets knocked up. Like, you shouldn't, she, she should, you know, that's <gasps> like that. I remember that. Remember? And the kids Hang on, just remind me, did the kid get like run over by a car or something? He got hit, yeah. He got like, just, yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. Okay, I'm vaguely remembering right. it. So, mm-hmm. so, like, that's fucked up. Nobody wants to see that. The father distraught goes and buries the son in the pet cemetery. Son comes back. But of course. But not, not the same. Exactly. He comes back. This has got evil. This has got that famous line. My, my husband quotes it all the time. Actually, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many messed up things in this. I mean, there is the the mother in this movie tells the story mm. about her sister. I mean, and her sister wasn't zombie like or anything. Her sister had a, a disease, and the mother tells a story about that. The sister. Just freaks you out. She's just designed to look terribly scary. And mm. the the little demonic kid, right? He to the my wife can still not sit with her f- with on a bed that is above the ground, right? So so we used to have when we first got married, we had a sleigh bed, so there was space under the bed, and she was convinced right, right into adulthood. We only changed our bed mm. base a few years ago. Right into adulthood, she can't sit with her feet because she's scared somebody's going to slit her Achilles tendons, like happens in this movie. The little yes, boy, yes, his name is Grange. He comes out and mm. kills. There's an old man who knows all about the secret burials and things like that, and the kid hides under the bed and slits his Achilles an- ankles. My wife, you can't even. Mm. 
touch the kid's name is Gage. Sorry, I don't think I said that right earlier. You can't even yeah. touch my wife's Achilles ankles. Don't even touch it. She like freaks out. She can't do it. She can't sit on beds where her feet hang over and she doesn't know there's something under the bed, right? It's like it's a phobia from this movie. <laughs> I think that that is a very natural phobia to have, whether this movie so. existed or not. I mean, I had nightmares because I also grew up with one of those beds that had a humongous gap under yeah. them, like very big. And I used to imagine all sorts of things under that bed. Yes. Like really before seeing anything like pet cemetery. That is the story of it. Of course. I mean, imagine how it ends. Uh, evil little kid. That's why when you said Chucky, now that little kid is played by a guy called Miko John Hughes. You won't recognize him as an adult, but he's definitely the kid from Pet Cemetery. I don't know if the John Hughes is any connection. It's a homage or a tribute. His name is Miko John Hughes. Pet Cemetery was 1989. We next see Miko John Hughes in Kindergarten Cop. Right. Okay. With yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's the kid that says these two things. First, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets all the kids because he's trying to find out the dad. He asks the kids, "What does your dad do?" And Miko John William John Hughes is this kid. My dad is a gynecologist, and he looks at vaginas all day long. <laughs> <laughs> he's also the kid that says this. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. And of course, he's the kid right. that was the scary kid voice. First I played with mommy, then I played with daddy. He's that kid. He's that little kid okay. from Kindergarten Cop. So that is my movie. Like I say, uh, Ramones did a, because the director obviously was in the music video world, she was personal friends with the Ramones. And Stephen King said, I want the Ramones to do a song. And she asked them, and they did a song called Pet Cemetery, which is a huge song for the Ramones. I mean, they played it at all their concerts, massive, massive cult song for them, maybe not critically or, or did well in the charts, Yeah, massive song. See, I don't, I don't know them well enough. So otherwise, if I, if I was like a big fan of the Ramones, I probably would have guessed that much sooner in this yeah. conversation. Gr a great I'm song. A big fan. I'm actually yeah. going to chuck it in next week. I don't want to like, I didn't want to give it away this week by playing it, but I'm actually going to chuck it in mm. next week. So that is my movie. Pet Cemetery is spelt it, wrong. Is it a recommendation, Paolo? Is it? Is it a recommendation? Oh, my God. <laughs> I suppose if you really like to be freaked out completely and get into the disturbed mind of Stephen King, because that is that is the thing, is that mm. you know that he is working through some sort of trauma with these stories. Always. it Listen, it holds yeah. up because it's not like overly reliant on special effects. And I think horror movies from that time – can sometimes you can actually get put off unless they've been remastered and and maybe I watched the remastered version maybe that's why it didn't stand out for me um, but mm. it's just creepy as hell because kids are creepy <laughs> look at me they're just <laughs> they are they just and we can say that as parents yes. we can <laughs> when they little and they sneak around and they have knives and they're <laughs> zombies that's the creepiest. <laughs> So that is our, our TV show, Sledgehammer, exclamation mark, mm -hmm. and Pet Cemetery for your little Halloween scaries. I think you want to be scared this Halloween. Mm -hmm. Carrying on with the supernatural theme, we're going to go into a little bit of a different Wham! corner. And then on the other side is the Chart Savant. Are you ready, Dory, for the Chart Savant? I'm so ready. This is that 80s show, and I hate clickbait. 
story I got clickbaited so bad. This what week. prompted that? Wow. No, well, I mean. Something quite specific. No, I don't want to make like light of a situation, but I saw a headline. Headline pops up in my newsfeed where member dies. I'm like, oh my God, what the, what, what? <gasps> That's not me. That's, That's horrendous. Such bad clickbait. Listen, of course, anybody passing away, nobody wants to hear. I mean, of course, terrible. But I'm going, oh, Jesus, Andrew, what the hell happened, right? Um, before I even yeah. went to Shirley and Pepsi, I was like, so that was a song you may listen to. They go, what? That's not a Wham or a George Michael song, but it is George Michael. Um, a member mm. of Wham, the bassist or one of the guitarists, Dion Eustace, or D- Dion Eustace, uh, passed away this week. And he was a huge contributor and part of the Wham band. You know, not a, not a singer. He mm. played bass. And he was on so many of Wham's songs. He joined them um, in the 80s. And he even, and then he carried on with George Michael. He was a huge collaborator, collaborator on George Michael's um, solo career. Went with him on the Faith Tour. He was with Wham in China when they went out to China. So like a huge part of the band um, sadly passing away this week. And then he started mm. a solo career and that's one of his songs. And George Michael sang on a couple of his songs, all uncredited. Um, but that is a nice little piece of wham trivia. Terrible clickbaiting. But before we get into the charts of one, I just want to tell you about reading his obituary, a little discovery I made of a band called Boogie Box High. Have you ever heard of Boogie Box High, Dory? Why does that sound more like a TV show than a band? It is a band. Because no, I have not. <laughs> it's a band. Okay, I haven't heard of them, no. It featured a range of collaborators. Guitarist was Nick Hayward of Haircut 100. The keyboardist mm. was Mike Talbot of the Style Council. Uh, Dion mm. was uh, part of it. Uh, let me just double check if I'm saying his name right. I mean, let me just be respectful here. Dion, Dion Estes. Dion Estes, collaborator. The lead singer was... A guy called Andros Georgiou. That name rings a bell. Andros Georgiou, second cousin to George Michael. Right? Okay. George right. Michael. I mean, that's not exactly a close relation. No. But, but mean, George yeah. Michael was a contributor to some of the songs of Boogie Box High. Even songs. But that was this. Pre-Wham days, post-Wham, like we're, we're in the timeline. 1980, 1987. So after Wham had broken up. Uh, after Wham, okay. But, I mean, some of the unreleased songs, some of unreleased Wham songs, George Michael produced or performed uh, with these guys, songs called Golden Soul and Soul Boy. Um, but David Austin, or the, uh, what's his name? Did I lose it here? Uh, yeah, so D- um, Andrus Georgiou, and the David Austin, sorry, was one of the sing was one of the songwriters would perform. So George Michael gave the songs, would produce some backing tracks on some uncredited. Other people would sing it. I found a couple of the songs that almost like if there a reason Wham rejected them. <laughs> Are they terrible? They're like bad Wham songs. Like I, I know that's a contradiction in terms, but it's like going like if mm-hmm. somebody tried to do a Wham song, that's what they sound like. They very weird experience. <laughs> very weird experience. Well, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. What's nice about it is trying to spot George in them. A little fun little game I play with myself because I'm a loser. <laughs> so so you do hear him sometimes or somebody really, really trying to sound like him. So you do hear his influence. You do hear him on some of the vocals. 
Boogie Box High. What a fantastic little journey we've gone on. <laughs> um, but this is this is the thing, right? This is the thing about what we do. And it's let's say that this is something we do. Yes. We're always discovering new things about the 80s that we did not know. I have something for next week's show, Paolo. It is oh. glorious, this thing that I've discovered from the 80s that a week ago I did not know existed. They call him the other white duke. They, they call him the rocket man. They call him the sultan of swing. <laughs> when Ray Parker Jr. says, who are you going to call? He says, call me. <laughs> and, and hands the phone back to Blondie. <laughs> He's the chart savant and he says, the Catholic church has always been against using one's sixth sense Hello, Barrett, you mysterious little man. Hello, Dory and Paolo. <laughs> <sighs> Barrett, now I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I say the nerves are kicking. I'm actually, I'm so excited right now. You have no idea. <laughs> so He thinks he's got us this week, Paolo. You no. can hear it. You can hear it in his voice. I think he does. So yes. the chart savant little game, Barrett loves charts. <clears throat> he gives us five songs, the top five songs that were in a chart in a particular month week chart so we have to guess the country us or uk the month and the year we yes correct are overconfident when we do well and then he comes back and beats us like pet symmetry animals i, I don't know we just get beaten by barrett <laughs> and uh, he has some fantastic songs for us barrett yes you gave us the clue. You gave us a clue every week. The Catholic Church has always been against using one sixth sense. That makes no sense to me. Yes. No sense. No, I, I, well, I, I literally have nothing. So, can we dive straight in? We're going to dive straight in. Barrett gives a little bit of an intro of the song. We play a clip and then yes. we start our guesses. But we save it all till the end. The first part of the clue is new at number five. It is a Pet Shop Boys, It's a Sin. Written by Chris Lowe and Neil Tennant, became the duo's second number one single of spending three weeks atop the chart in this country. In the song, Tennant describes some impressions he got from his time at the Catholic St. Cuthbert's High School in Newcastle, Pontine. He ended up feeling that everything he had done or was going to do was a sin. So this is new number five this week, Pet Shop Boys, It's a Sin. Down from number three to number four, and we've spoken about him a lot earlier on in the show, a fan weekly favorite of ours, George Michael. Down from number three to number four, that was that peak, uh, which was number three, I Want Your Sex. It was also the recipient for the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Original Song. The song's radio airplay on the BBC was restricted to post-watershed hours due to concerns that it might promote promiscuity and could be counterproductive to con contemporary campaigns about AIDS awareness. So this is number four, George Michael, I Want Your Sex. That's a great song. Why did it win a worst song award? I don't know. I mean, the song that's coming up for number one, I think, is the different recipient of that award, not this song. But let's be patient. <laughs> Do Dory, so, do, you, do you want to take any guesses or you want another clue? Oh, no, I, I'm pretty confident, actually, at this point, I hate to say. Definitely confident in terms of the location of this chart. 
Do you want to give it or you want one more song? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're talking UK because Pet Shop Boys, George Michael, very UK. But yeah, let's 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 carry on. I thought that as well. Okay. I thought that as well. Mm. I I get the songs ahead of time. I'm very good. I don't research where they. F- I, I just load them in. Mm. I also did not listen. I didn't even listen to them ahead of time. <laughs> right. So so we're gonna yeah. play from three downwards. You get thrown. Okay. Barrett. Okay. Cool. So. Moving up from number six to number three is Bruce Willis under the boardwalk. It eventually reached number two, recording an album of pop blues titled The Return of Bruno, which included the hit single Respect Yourself featuring the Pointer Sisters. The LP was promoted by a spinal tap-like rockumentary parody featuring scenes of Willis performing at famous events, including Woodstock. This is number three under the boardwalk, Bruce Willis. So just so you know, that was the second part of the clue. Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis was in the movie Sixth Sense. Ah, Good stuff. Good stuff. Dory, you... You're not a fan of that song? I remember us playing it once. Well, I'm not a fan of Bruce Willis singing at all. I love his acting. <laughs> I, love, I love many films that he's done, but oh, no, not a fan of his singing, no. So this is where it threw me because I'm like, Bruce Willis, surely he's only big in, mm. in the US. And then song number, mm. but then I'm back on with the next song, Barrett. Okay. Yes. So staying at number two, eventually reaching number one, Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. It was produced by narrator Michael Walton and written by George Morell and Shannon Rubicam of the band Boy Meets Girl, who had previously collaborated with Houston on How Will I Know. I Want to Dance with Somebody received mixed reviews from music critics who praised Houston's vocal performance, but critique its musical arrangement, comparing it to How Will I Know and Cyndi Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It topped the charts in 18 countries. This is number two, Whitney Houston's On a Dance with Somebody. So Boy Meets Girl actually wrote Waiting for a Star to Fall for Whitney Houston, but she rejected it. Mm. Fun fact. We discussed that a while back, yeah. Yeah, Fun fact. (laughs) This is why I'm caught in between. I'm 50-50 on I think Whitney was popular on both sides of the pond. It's that, I think she really was. It's that Bruce Willis that throws me. It's that Bruce but, Willis. I mean, Bruce Willis was quite big in moonlighting True at the story. time, I think. True story. So, you know, maybe that went uh, across the pond as well. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Novelty, Let's see. novelty factor. Okay. I mean, number one is no- novelty factor. So staying at number one for a second week, ridiculous song. I just, when I was editing it for the show, I was like, oh, why, why, why? It's... Uh, parodies the first television series of Star Trek and prominently features comical voice characters of the original Trek characters provided by members of the band, a studio technician and the wife of one of the songwriters, The Firm. One of the song's phrases, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it, originated with Star Trekking, but has been subsequently misattributed to the TV series. This is The Firm, saying at number one, Star Trekking. Now... You may be listening. I remember that song. Right? I remember that song well, unfortunately, very well. You may be listening to this on the podcast version of it where we obviously can't include songs. I want you to press pause right now and open up any other musical YouTube and search. Barrett, what is the name of it? What is the full name? 
It's Star, Star Trekking by the firm. Star Trekking by the firm. You're allowed pause now, listen to it, understand what we've just been through, and then come back. <laughs> now we're back. Okay. Did you did you know that song, Paolo? Like I did know it. Are you aware of that? Yeah. I did know it. So now that was one of those horrible horrible novelty songs that yes. popped up around that time. So <laughs> here's my thinking. Here's my thought pattern. I've been in between the mm. two because I go well. Pet Shop Boys and George Michael are going to be big in the UK, but then I go well. The song was Watershed. Couldn't be played. I think you can't play certain songs before nine or ten o'clock. Then I go, okay, but how could it be popular if there's main charts? Then Bruce Willis is in there, and I go, okay, well, maybe it's US. But then I go, novelty rubbish songs like this always do well in the UK around Christmas. And so that's my novelty. I, that's where I, my thought pattern is. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, I, it was definitely around that time, I think. I mean, remember, I used to get the number one magazine. There was so much about Star Trek in the number one magazine. It, this is confirmed for me. It's definitely UK. Okay. I also think that because so that UK sort of stuff. is correct. Yes. That sort of stuff only <laughs> correct. gets UK number ones. So just so you know, the Bruce Willis song actually didn't chart and didn't do very well in the US. Oh, factoid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't know how it did well in the UK. I mean, it, yeah. I don't know how it did well anywhere, but, you know. Well, Star Trekking wow. was number one. So, of course, standards are low. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Okay. Okay. Year, month, let's do this. Dory, I'm saying December. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I'll Okay, because remember th these rubbish songs always become number one. It's either December or January. They always become number one towards the, the Christmas number yeah, one. We still got to do the year. We still yes. got to yeah, do yeah, the year. Yeah, first. Yes. And the and the, the fact that um, AIDS was mentioned, the fact that it was mm. Pet Shop Boys. I, I, I'm I'm leaning towards eighty eight or eighty nine. I'm going to go with eighty nine. And I will go with November just to be different to your December. Mm. So I'm going with November eighty nine. Hello, where are, you, where are you at? I'm going to go, I'll stay 89, but I'm going to go a couple of weeks difference. I'm going to go December. Okay, both wrong on both <laughs> accounts. It is the 22nd <laughs> of June, 1987. What? <gasps> what? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Evil laugh, evil laugh. <laughs> we were so wrong. So, so AIDS was a thing so early in the eighties. I remember it being a towards mm. the end of the eighties thing. Hey, wow, no. wow. It started early eighties, early eighties. Yeah. Okay. You remember that there wasn't much um, in the news about it because it first started just affecting the yeah. gay community. And so I'm, they yeah, didn't really so care dumb. about it. So you know, because if I think about it, if I actually think about it, of course, Pet Shop Boys was eighty seven. That album, I know that album well. It came out in 87. I didn't really yeah. engage brain. So now that makes sense. But I wouldn't <laughs> have guessed June. I would have stuck with the end of the year with Paolo. You got us, Barrett. You but got you, us. But you must remember June is their summer holidays. So that's when there could also be some of these novelty, wacky songs because yeah. it's summer holiday time there for them. Mm, the the, the yeah. lads out going boys and girls holidays to Ibiza and Megaloof. And behaving like <laughs> cretins. So, yes. Well done. Chart Savant fools us yet again. Really fooled us this week. Re really, wow, really, really got, us. got us. This is probably the worst we've ever done. <laughs> and do you know how I chose this week's chart? I literally went onto the site, closed my eyes, 
chose a date, chose a number, and boom, that was that's how it was. I didn't even look at the songs, nothing. If I knew Star Trekking was on there, I might have changed it. But I thought, you know, first thing, first one, go with it. Let's have fun. So this has been that 80 show. Thank God that 80 show is a Facebook page is back up. Christmas is coming up. And before we go, I just want to speak to my dear friends. Guys, I want a advent calendar for Christmas. <laughs> Could either of you please buy it for me? This particular one, which I've sent you the link for. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> what are we talking about? Advent calendar, time of year. You get it, open up, there's little chocolates. This one is 19 euro 90 cents, 20 euro, round about 400 rand, delivery not included. It is the Thomas Anders <laughs> advent calendar. I want to eat all of it. <laughs> I'm not even saying anything. I'm done. Yeah. Firstly, you get this advent calendar with Thomas Anders in a tuxedo standing in front of a very opulent Christmas tree. His hands are making the little heart insignia. Listen to this. This advent ca- calendar with quality Ritter Sports chocolate mousse and chocolate, chocolate crisp, whole nuts in nougat cream, caramel duo yogurt, and strawberry yogurt. Ooh. Right. I showed my wife this thing. She said, it is fantastic. She said, look at the chocolate. We zoomed in on the chocolate. It is like Aero that went to private school. This, (laughs) (laughs) if you're not counting down Christmas with the Thomas Anders advent calendar, which I called the Thomas Anders vent calendar, then you cannot consider yourself to have enjoyed or celebrated Christmas. It is the God damn best thing I've seen and it's all I want. Message him and say, send yes. me an advent calendar, dude. We're buds now. I thought about it. <laughs> we should actually do that. I did. Uh, should I send him an email? I did think about <laughs> I did think about it. <laughs> Thomas, I want some of your sweet, sweet Ritter Sports chocolat mousse au chocolat. Oh my God, that's phenomenal. I mean, we, you know, when we got the email address, I, my, I did say, Paolo, do not abuse this email address. I don't think this counts as abuse. I think it's a request. <laughs> Advent calendars for a Catholic, a Jew, and an atheist. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to end it right there. This has been that 80 show. Dory, we close the show off with your lesson of the show. What have you learned today? I've learned that when a movie title is spelled wrong, that's a good warning. Yes, that it's spooky as mm. hell. Thanks for joining us, mm. Barrett. Say goodbye to the lovely people. Thank you so much for having me. Love you lots. Bye. 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 <laughs>